Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. here today. Uh, Welcome. Those of you watching online, thank you as always for uh, tuning in both near and far. Uh, If you are near, uh, we'd love to see you in person and uh, joining all these beautiful people today. Man, Charleston, uh, spring has sprung, hasn't it? It's just beautiful outside. Uh, It's a beautiful week and um, I'm excited about today. I'm excited as we uh, ramp up and start uh, promoting Easter services here. Um, I hope that you have enjoyed uh, this series, Relationship Rescue, Uh, that we've been in as much as I have. Uh, We've had a lot of fun so far. Uh, If you remember, we kicked off the series uh, four weeks ago on Life Group Sunday. And uh, wow, what a blast. Uh, And uh, that particular day, I talked about uh, friends and the need for community. And of course, that was a great way to, you know, kick off Life Group Sunday. But by the way, uh, being a good friend uh, is really the foundation of every great relationship, including marriage. Um, the final, uh, the following week, uh, we heated things up a little bit, and uh, Pastor Chris talked about sex, and um, we talked about inviting God into every area of our life, including our sex life. And uh, then last week, Pastor Scott's message uh, was about dating, uh, but the message wasn't just for single adults. Uh, It was a reminder to uh, married adults as well uh, to continue uh, to date their spouse. And um, I'm sure you're familiar with the old saying, you know, if husbands and wives spent more time courting each other, they would spend less time in court, okay? So um, uh, I think that's true. Now today, uh, we're going to have some fun, we're going to talk about marriage. Uh, Somebody once said that marriage is like a three-ring circus. Uh, There is the engagement ring the wedding ring, and then the suffering. So um, I don't think that's true. I don't. Um, a young boy was talking to his dad, and he said, Dad, I've actually heard that in certain parts of the world that a man doesn't actually know his wife until the day that he marries her. Is that true? And the dad said, Son, that happens every day in every country. That's just... Uh, No. Um, Hey, you want to talk about crazy marriages, crazy marriages. I don't know um, if you've seen this uh, show um, on cable, um, uh, Sister Wives. Anybody seen that? I know some of you are addicted to it. You just won't admit it, right? Okay, it's your guilty pleasure. Um, But it's it's a reality show about a polygamist family in Utah, a a polygamist family. Now, do you know what the real punishment is in our country uh, for polygamy? It's not jail time. It's multiple mother-in-laws. That's really what it is. Um, I mean, I I thought about that show. Can you imagine having five, five mother-in-laws? Now, let me say, let me just be really clear. I happen to have a great mother-in-law. In In fact, she watches the service every Sunday in Georgia. (laughs) Love you, Nancy. (laughs) Anyway, I really do, and I I have a great mother-in-law. Um... So I want to begin today by taking a little bit of a survey um, of the various lessons that you might have taken in your lifetime, okay? So I want you to raise your hand. Um, Raise your hand. How many of you have ever taken some sort of music lesson? Some sort of music lesson. Wow. Okay, is David and Ryan, y'all watching this, all these uh, musicians out here. Um, How about this? How many of you have taken any swimming lessons? Swimming lessons. Okay. Very good. We live in Charleston. You ought to know how to swim. Um, how about golf lessons? 
Golf, okay, a few. Pastor Scott, look out, there we go. Um, horseback riding, this is kind of maybe a, wow, okay, very good. Uh, tennis, tennis, okay, okay. Now, here's the last one. Well, kind of two questions in one. How many of you have ever taken any dance lessons? Dance lessons, okay, wow, very good. Uh, now, along with that, any of you take those dance lessons at a place like uh, Arthur Murray or Fred Astaire before your wedding ceremony so that you didn't look like a complete moron uh, for your first dance, you know, just doing the white man's shuffle. Did anybody, um, anybody done that? You took, you took those wedding, you know, dance lessons, yeah. Now, I want you to think about that for a second, the logic of that. You spent a lot of time and a lot of money on lessons for something that lasts about four minutes just so that you could impress your friends and family and, again, not look stupid. But then you never took another class again or ever went out dancing. You know what lessons you should have spent your money on? Cooking lessons. Uh, money management, communication, parenting, something that'll last the rest of your life. By the way, I think that's a good reason to be a part of a community of faith where we talk about stuff like that. Now, truthfully, I think that's the way we are in a lot of areas of our life. You know, we don't really care about maintaining something for the long haul. We simply do what we gotta do to get by and then wait for the emergency and spend our time and money on repairs. You know, maintaining something over the long haul, whether it's a skill, uh, a language, our health, um, or, or a relationship, it requires ongoing maintenance. Now, if you think about it, the opposite of maintenance is what? Anybody know? Repair. Now, if you own a car, which I'm sure most of you do, you know that there's a big difference between maintenance and repair. You know, when you take your car in for maintenance, like an oil change or a tune-up or something, you know it's going to cost you something, but really that's just a few dollars in comparison to a repair. You know, a repair implies that something is now broken. Repair happens after, you know, a big major problem. A repair, think about it this way, is reactive to a situation. And typically it's costly, right? But maintenance... You know, that's being proactive. Maintenance is about preventative medicine. Maintenance is about dealing with the problem before it starts. It's about anticipation. Now, given the option, given the choice, I would much rather have relational maintenance than have to deal with relational repair. So the best way to deal with a major repair in a marriage, in a relationship, is for there to be this you know, ongoing check-in, this ongoing preventative maintenance. So that's what I want us to do today. We're gonna do a little uh, preventative marriage maintenance, okay? Now to do that, we're gonna take a look at Proverbs chapter five. Proverbs chapter five is sometimes referred to as the proverb of the immoral woman. But really, the immoral woman is just the, the problem in the proverb, the wisdom. The application is found in how to avoid the problem that immorality can cause in a relationship. 
But there's some great principles here uh, that I think can apply to all of us, uh, no matter what relationship you're in, but especially those of you uh, who are married. So Proverbs chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. Listen to this. My son, now stop there for just a second. This is, so it's an older man, a father, a father figure, giving wisdom, okay, to a younger man. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. Then you will show discernment and your lips will express what you've learned. So let's see if we can gain uh, some knowledge and some wisdom today uh, from this particular proverb. Now we're going to do that today by basically asking ourselves three questions. So if you're taking notes, here's question number one. Am I protecting my marriage? Am I protecting my marriage? Now, would you agree with me that there are a lot of forces out there today trying to tear marriage apart? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. In fact, 1 Peter 5.8 says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, I don't know if you thought about this before or not, but here's the reality, here's the truth. Satan wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy it. He is seeking to do so. And he will use anything and everything at his disposal to do it. Could be small things, could be big things, could be things like anger, unforgiveness, temptation, other people. Anything and everything at his disposal. So you've got to be on guard, on watch, and do whatever you can to protect your marriage. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says this. And don't sin by letting anger control you. And this next part you've probably heard many times in relationship to marriage or uh, relationships. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Now, a lot of times, this particular verse gets interpreted as, hey, make sure you resolve every argument before you go to bed. Now, I do understand what they're trying to say there, but the reality is, listen, not every argument, not every problem or issue is going to be resolved in a 24-hour time period. Now, that's different than, than anger. So, do what you can do, he's saying, so that your anger doesn't give the devil a foothold. You know, instead of doing what we typically do, okay, like pouting, you know, throwing things, you know, just stomping off or shutting down, you know, sleeping on the sofa, you know, instead of all that, he's saying, this is, this is how I interpret this passage. Have the courage to look your spouse in the eye and to say something like this. Listen, I get it. I know right now we're not happy with each other. And there's some things that we need to work out and, uh, and work through. But I want you to know something. I absolutely love you. And I'm committed to you. Don't you ever doubt that for a second. And I am committed to working through this and getting stronger. Now, that's the way to handle it. You know, not, not pouting, not sulking, you know, not, you know, 
shutting down, and listen to me, not sleeping on the sofa. You know, not, not separating. You know, the only thing that separation does is it leads to more separation. And it gives the devil a foothold. It gives the devil a stronghold. Instead, be man enough, be woman enough to look each other in the eye and say, listen, you know, I love you. I'm committed to this. We're going to work through this. You see, that's how you go to bed together. You know, not letting Satan, you know, have a foothold, affirming each other, affirming your commitment. When you don't address relational conflict humbly and quickly, you are inviting Satan in. You're inviting him in to, to come and to stand in your relationship. In fact, literally, that's what the word foothold there means. It means to stand in your life. You're, you're giving him a, a place to stand, a, a spot and if you give the enemy a place to stand in your life, listen to me, you're not going to have to invite him twice. He will step into that spot. He will stand between the two of you. And he will bring bondage. He will, bring, he will begin to distort your thinking. He will do whatever he can to, to tear you apart. And, and we are throwing out the welcome mat for him to do that if we leave conflict and offenses unresolved. But there's a biblical way to handle it. Now, back to Proverbs 5. You know, it reminds us that one of the most damaging, dangerous, and destructive things that we need to protect our marriage from is sexual immorality. Look at verses 3 through 6. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. So, again, what's he saying? It's very tempting. We live in a world today where uh, sexual sin is very, very tempting. But listen to this. But in the end, she is as bitter as poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave, for she cares nothing about the path to life. She staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't realize it. So if you read this proverb, he's talking about adultery. Adultery. So adultery is a harsh word, isn't it? You know, you actually don't hear it very often today. What we've done with so much, so many things is we've kind of just, you know, watered it down. Have you noticed that? You know, so we don't talk about adultery anymore, fornication. We talk about he or she had a what? An affair. An affair to remember. An affair. You know, it sounds much nicer. They went to the fair. They got cotton candy. They saw the clowns. You know, an affair. Affair. You know, it's like, it's like what some power companies do today. Instead of, you know, sending you a bill, you know what they call it? They actually call it energy documents. What is that? I mean, seriously? But we do that, don't we? We do that. But I want to be clear with you today. No matter how you slice it, no matter how you say it, adultery is adultery. And real men and real women do whatever they can to protect their marriage not to allow adultery or sexual immorality to enter it. And you can soften it however you want. But the reality is, and what I see over and over again, is that when it comes in, it destroys everything in its path, just like Solomon says in this proverb. You know, in this particular proverb, you know, he talks about an immoral woman who captures the eyes of you know, the men in, in the marriage. But in our day, the statistics of who commits adultery are almost even. So I just want to ask you, 
Are you protecting your marriage? Let's continue. It says this. So now, my sons, listen to me. Never stray from what I'm about to stay. Stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. In other words, don't even let temptation, you know, get close to your marriage. Now notice he doesn't say, hey, don't go in and sleep with her. It doesn't say that. That's what you think. But what he says is, no, 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 no. You build a hedge of protection even further back. You don't even go in the door of her house. Now if you do, Here's what he says will happen. Now, I want you to think about the marriages that you know that have been through this, that have faced adultery, and you tell me if these words aren't true today, even now in 2023, verses nine through 11. If you do, you will lose your honor and you will lose to merciless people all you have achieved. Strangers will consume your wealth and someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. In the end, you will groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. Protect your marriage. Now, there's several practical areas of protection we need to talk about. First of all, protect your eyes. Protect your eyes. You know, it's not the first glance that gets you in trouble. It's the second look. It's the lingering stare. It's those scenarios that you begin running through your mind. Listen to me. Do not let sexual, don't, don't, don't look for sexual, relational, emotional, or even conversational fulfillment in another person other than your spouse. Don't do it. Protect yourself. Protect your marriage. Protect your mind is the next one. Protect your mind. Be careful what you allow in. You know, that's especially true today when pornography now, listen to this, is over a $100 billion, billion dollar industry worldwide. Now, in my generation or older, you had to go looking for pornography, didn't you? Like, typically, it was in your dad's uh, underwear drawer, you know, <laughs> under your big brother's bed, or you had some friends that had it out in a fort, out in the woods. I don't know any of that from personal experience, but I'm just telling you, no. I mean, listen, that, that, was, that, was, the, that was the world in which we lived, wasn't it? But today, you have instant, instant access to it in all of your devices, and it is glamorized in our culture. And it is destroying marriages, destroying homes. Parents, um, there need to be some, uh, some boundaries in your home with the devices you're giving your kids. You know, there, there are some protective software you can put on your, you know, your devices. You know, every husband and wife, you ought to know each other's passwords. There ought to be full disclosure. Your husband, your wife, your, your children, your parents, you ought to be able to put, pick up each other's phones and look through messages. You ought to do what it, listen, truth plus transparency equals trust. Truth plus, tra we talked about that weeks ago. Truth plus transparency equals trust. Also, protect your steps. Protect your steps. He says, don't go near the door of her house. In other words, don't go out of your way to be flirtatious 
with those of the opposite sex. You know, don't go out of your way to, to give or receive compliments from another person of the opposite sex. You know, don't, don't get in a car with somebody of the opposite sex alone. Don't go out with that person. You're like, wow, Pastor Chris, that sounds really, you know, harsh. That, that's very um, impractical to do in the world in which we live. Listen, if you want what everybody else has, you keep doing what everybody else is doing. And where this world is headed is not good. And marriages are crumbling. In other words, do whatever it takes. Be on guard. Be like that watchman on the wall. Don't allow anything or anyone to come into your marriage that can harm it, hurt it, or destroy it. Are you protecting your marriage? So that's looking for problems that are gonna come from the outside. But then this Proverbs turns the corner, and the second question is, am I investing in my marriage? Am I investing in my marriage? This is looking from within. Am I protecting from without? Am I investing from within? And both are important. You know, I tell the people that I'm going to marry, you know, that I perform their, their wedding ceremony all the time, that, hey, you're gonna stand up in front of your friends and family and God on this big day called your wedding day, and you're gonna repeat your vows. But I want you to know something. A great marriage is not made by just saying your vows once, but by renewing your commitment to those vows and living out the, that commitment every single day. You see, the reality is, it's the small things, the, the little things, um, the small investments that you make every day in a relationship that eventually reap big rewards. You know, when it, when it comes to marriage, typically it's not the big things. You know, sometimes people will do that. Oh, they're going through problems or issues. We, let's go on a vacation. Let's, you know, I'm going to buy my wife this big, expensive gift. And listen, maybe you need to go on a vacation. Maybe you need to buy your wife something, you know, nice. But when it comes to marriage, it's not the big things that make a great relationship. It's those little things done consistently over time. And so you got to give to your marriage. You gotta make it a priority, you gotta invest in it. And if you don't, listen to me, eventually, you know, it's like a, a reservoir, it's like a, a little stream of water that's coming into a reservoir so that in the times of drought, you have something to fall back on. But it's those little things done consistently that do that. It's like a bank account, those small deposits over time, but instead, we wanna win the lottery. And that's not the answer. And it's also not the answer in a relationship. It's the small things done consistently over time. And if you don't, that marriage will dry up and you'll find yourself saying stuff like this. Well, I just don't feel anything anymore. Well, why is that? Because you're not making those investments anymore. Over time, the marriage begins to tear apart. The, the warning, that's the warning of Proverbs 5, 12 through 17. Listen to this. You will say, how I hated discipline. If I only had not ignored all the warnings. Oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to Pastor Chris? No, um, I have come to the brink of utter ruin, and now I must face public disgrace. Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. In other words, Find satisfaction in your marriage and with no one else. He says, why spill the water of your springs in the streets, having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves, never share it with strangers. So here's the question. Are you investing in your marriage? Now there's a bunch of ways to do that. Let me, give you, let me just give you three here this morning. Invest in your marriage spiritually. Invest in your marriage spiritually. Spiritually. 
Listen, you do that by worshiping together. You make gatherings like this a priority. Listen, and, and let me just say this. I actually believe, men, this is where it comes to you being the leader. You know, the spiritual leader of your home doesn't mean that you're a, a dictator, my way or the highway. No, it means you're like Jesus. You're willing to, to, the Bible says, to love your wife like Jesus loved the church and gave himself up for her, that you take the initiative. You, you're the one that says, hey, we're going to make this a priority. Listen, your wife is begging for you to do that. She is dying for you to do that. You know, make this a priority because, listen, no matter what you're going through, when you come into a place like this and we lift up Jesus and we see the, the glory of God, you, are, you begin to realize there's something bigger. There's a power greater than myself that I can depend on. And it does something to your marriage. Worshiping together. Praying together. Listen, here, here's something you ought to do over the next, you know, the 40-day the fast. If you're married, before you go to bed together, you just bow the knee, you sit in front of each other, you hold hands, you look into each other's eyes, and you say, let's pray together. Let's pray together. If you've never done that, it might feel awkward, it might feel strange, but I promise you, it'll bond you together. Go to a life group together. Man, we got so many different groups to choose from. Serve together. Serve together. And then, invest in each other physically. So spiritually, physically. When you start feeling pulled apart, you compound that by not making time for each other physically. Now, here's a decision that each husband and wife needs to make. If my spouse is going to have a great lover in this life, it's going to be me. You need to make that commitment. Make the decision that you're going to try to meet your spouse's physical needs, sexual needs, in such a way that they'd be a fool to ever look elsewhere. 1 Corinthians 7.3 says, the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's sexual needs. So get serious and get down to the full-time business of learning what it is that your spouse needs and determine that you're going to do your very best to meet those needs, even if they're not necessarily your needs. This will go such a long way in protecting your marriage. Yeah, but Pastor Chris, my husband can't keep his hands off me. So what? Is that a bad thing? Well, at Walmart it is. You know, no, well, you know. But husbands, listen to this. Invest in your marriage emotionally. So we need both. Physically, emotionally, and I know this is the one that, you know, is most difficult for a lot of guys, but so important for women. You know, how do you invest, how do you invest emotionally? Now, emotional investment, let me be clear, is not just, you know, you coming home every day and talking about your feelings, okay? That's what, you know, that's what freaks most guys out about, you know, that's, that's what they're afraid of. But you know what it is? It's just sharing the stuff that's going on in your life. Being willing to, you know, open up and just talk about your frustrations, your dreams, your concerns. You know, sure, as well as your feelings, but, you know, it's your opinions, it's your desires. It's, here's what it is. It's just letting your wife into your world. But it starts with just talking. Simply talking. Gary Thomas, in his book, Sacred Marriage, suggests a prayer that married couples should pray every day. He writes, Lord... How can I love my spouse today like he or she has never been loved and never will be loved? And if you would make a commitment to, to pray that prayer, and put that into practice, 
what I'm saying is that you will be amazed at how practically God's going to speak to you about the little things that you can do to make a major investment in your marriage. So, if you protect your marriage, if you invest in your marriage, you're going to reap some great rewards. And that's what question number three is all about. Number three, am I enjoying my marriage? Am I enjoying my marriage? Because that's God's plan. He, he wants you to enjoy your marriage, for you to be able to enjoy each other. Somebody once said that it's not a lack of love that leads to unhappiness in marriage. It's a lack of friendship. And again, we talked about that at the beginning of this series. You know, when, when you're dating and you're friends with each other, you're just doing stuff that you enjoy doing together. I think that's a pretty good strategy for marriage as well. You know, Pastor Scott talked about this last week uh, a little bit in, in his uh, message on dating. Uh, husbands and wives, do you have a date night? You know, do, do you plan time together, you know, for little getaways? Do you celebrate together, you know, just the little things of life, the small things? You know, do you have some things in your life that you still enjoy doing together? You know, discover them, find them, begin to do them. Now, some of you here today might push back a little bit and say, Pastor Chris, enjoy my marriage? Enjoy my spouse? Right now, I don't have any feelings for my spouse. You know how I respond to that? So what? So what? Because I didn't ask you about your feelings. Feelings change. They come and go. Feelings lie. You could feel a certain way because of the you know, pizza you had last night. Like they lie, they come and go. Listen to this, love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. It is a choice. It, it is a commitment that you make. It is an action. You see, you, you are choosing to love or you are choosing not to love. I think love is choosing to treat somebody the way you want to be treated, regardless of how you feel and regardless of how they respond. Did you hear that? Love is choosing to treat someone the way you want to be treated, regardless of how you feel. Because there's going to be times where you don't feel like being very loving, but you do it anyway. And regardless of how they feel. Because there are going to be times where you don't get the expected, you know, result. But you do it anyway. Listen, you don't wait until you feel it to start loving somebody. You do it anyway. You do it now. And, and I know, you know, you might push back and say, you know, Pastor Chris, I think you're telling me to be a hypocrite. You know, to do something that I don't feel. No, I'm telling you to be faithful. I'm telling you to be faithful. Because if you wait on the feelings to return, you'll never do the loving thing. You see, here's the way it works. You do the loving thing now. And if it's been a long time, yes, when you start doing that and practicing that, maybe in the beginning it's gonna feel strange, it'll feel a little awkward. Listen, don't give up. You keep doing it. You keep doing the loving thing and then you know what will happen and I guarantee it, this will happen. The feelings will begin to follow. The feelings will return, they'll follow. 
You see, that's the way it works. You act your way into a feeling. You don't feel your way into an action. Start loving now. Start enjoying each other now. You see, God wants you to enjoy your marriage on so many levels, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Look at, look at verses 18 and 19. May your fountain be blessed. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever, I love this phrase, may you ever be captivated by her love. God wants you to enjoy your marriage. Now, one of the myths that we bought into in our day and time is that, well, if things aren't going good in my life, if things are bad right now in my life, it's gotta be somebody else's fault. And if I'm married, more than likely, it's my spouse's fault, okay? Listen to this. Happiness, just like love, it's a choice. Happiness is a choice. You can't control your circumstances, but you can control how you respond. And it might be, it might just be that you are guilty of giving your spouse the number one seat in your life. That you are looking to another person, that you're looking to your, your, your spouse to make you happy, okay? To give you satisfaction and fulfillment. You know, it's the old, uh, they complete me mentality. Man, that's crazy. That is not God's way. You see, there's only one number one in your life. And that other position, that chair, has got to be occupied by God. You know what that does? It actually relieves pressure from your relationships. Don't you see how beautiful God's way is? We get in trouble when we are expecting our spouse to be the sole source of our happiness and our enjoyment. Listen, when God is the center of a marriage and two people are are committed to growing in him and enjoying their relationship with him, that's when you're going to find enjoyment in each other. That's God's plan. So you gotta make the decision today. Will you make the decision and say, God, I want you to be first in my marriage. And if you've never turned your life over to God, by trusting in in Christ as your Savior and as your Lord, you've never made the decision to follow him. What would your marriage be like if today you said, God, I wanna give my life to you Today, I want to become a follower of Jesus. I need a strength not my own. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. I need help in in loving when I don't feel like it. You know, and if you are already a believer, it might be that you need to renew that commitment today as well. Where you can say, God, the truth is, my relationships are struggling because you're not in first place. And today I repent of that. I want to come home. And I want you to make me into the husband that you want me to be. The wife that you want me to be. And then maybe you make these other decisions. Decide today to protect your marriage. Begin today to make the mutual commitment to invest in this relationship every day. And then enjoy it. Enjoy your relationship. That's my prayer for you today. And that's the prayer blessing that I wanna pray on our married couples today. And listen, if if you have a great relationship, be forever grateful. But don't think that it can't happen to you. And if it has happened, 
Listen, our God loves you. And he is the God of second, tenth, umpteenth chances. And he loves you and he has a plan for your life. Bow your heads and pray with me today. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I do thank you for your word. And Lord, today I just, I do, I pray for the marriages that are represented here in this room today, watching online. God, may we do whatever it takes to protect our marriages, to invest in our marriages, and to enjoy them. And listen, if you're here today and you've never yet made Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life, you can do it right now. He loves you and he's been drawing you to himself. Pour your heart out to him right now. And maybe you're here today and you need to recommit your life to having God as first in your life. Recommit your life to these, these commitments that we talked about today. Do it now. Do it today. We love you, Father, and we pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.